This episode is sponsored by Valen Eyewear. Welcome to Between the Mountains, and this episode is with Lee from Wellbeing Wonders podcast. A fantastic podcast. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's all about just getting outdoors, talking about mental health and the uh, the outdoors adventure. I know you're going to love it. This episode chats with Lee about his experience of the outdoors, his background, how he was introduced to it, uh, and what he gets up to in the outdoors. Fantastic conversation. And also, for the fourth time in a row, this episode is sponsored by Valen Eyewear. If you haven't checked out their website already, what are you doing? Go and check it out. They have the most stylish, most fantastic eyewear for the outdoors and adventure. Glaciers, mountains, general outdoors, your kids, skiing, snowboarding, they've got it all for you. So go and check out their website. It's in the link in description and you can benefit from a 15% discount by using the code BTMPOD15. So if you haven't checked them out, go and do that. What are you waiting for? But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this episode with Lee. It was such a fantastic and inspiring episode. And we are gonna be doing the fan dance in January from a month's time. Uh, and we're gonna be raising a little bit of money for charity probably. I'll put a link closer to the time, but have a, have a listen, <laughs> enjoy the episode. And if you're listening to this episode upon release, Merry Christmas to you, Happy Holidays, and I hope you have a fantastic new year. Here is to 2022. Lee, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. Um, I'm really good, mate. I'm really looking forward to diving into this. Uh, it's been something that we've talked about a few times, and uh, I'm delighted that we're actually here. Yeah, man, it's... it's, uh, it's... Yeah, it's nice to finally, finally be here, and especially as well, not only we've been chatting about it for a few months, but we also had to reschedule as well. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad that we're finally here with the, with the big red light on. Yes. So, um, I think it's good because the fact that we did have to reschedule gives an insight into the listeners about some of the dramas that we go on behind the scenes when we're trying to get this content out there. It's not all plain sailing. We no, are, it's not. <laughs> we are one-man bands at times. Yeah, one-man band as well, but I, I always try and approach things like, uh, I, I don't know about you. So if I have to cancel and rearrange, I think it was me who had to who had to cancel it. Um, I I feel awful, like like so bad. I'm like, oh my god, I'm an awful person. But then someone else, like like the minute we're meant to start recording, messaged me saying, oh no, I can't make it today. But I've got zero dramas. It's like it's not a problem in the world. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you're the same. But if it's me yeah. doing it, I hate it. Someone else doing it, it couldn't bother me less. So yeah. It's, it's not, it was never an issue, mate, but it, you know, the, the main thing is that we're here to do it today and we're going to have Absolutely. a lot to talk about and looking forward to it. So yeah, so for those who don't know, um, and you should, uh, Lee is the host and producer and founder and CEO of Wellbeing Wonders podcast. And um, you've just completed 25 episodes. I mean, generally speaking, how's the whole thing gone for you? Yeah, it, it's been amazing. It's actually, it was almost born out of nothing. I, I, I had the idea to start Wellbeing Wonders as an Instagram page. Instead of having personal uh, social media, I thought, let's do something productive here. And then through that, I started to speak to a lot of really genuine and influential people, both sort of high profile, but also very average Joe guys like me and, you know, ladies as well. And what I thought is 
I'm learning a lot from these conversations and I felt a little bit selfish that I wasn't sharing this wisdom with people. So I thought, how can I do that? And I thought podcasts would be a great idea. I've not done anything media related in my life. So Google was my friend, uh, YouTube was my friend and, and, and here we have it. You know, the Wellbeing Wonders podcast has done 25 episodes and we have had so many different types of people on the podcast uh, from Everest sum- summiters to cancer survivors and everything in between. It's been incredible. Uh, and I just feel privileged to be the person behind the mic, like you will too. You know, to hear all these incredible stories is just, it is great. I've learned so much stuff. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to getting kicked off for the next next round of interviews. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 what I like about the episodes that you do as well is that it's it's, it's really just open conversation. But you're you're really getting, not, not, not wanting to suck up to you at all, but like for, for those listening, as as one of many reasons to go and listen to it, the, the way you interview, I find that you, 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 you latch on to a particular topic that they might have only briefly mentioned in, in part of a bigger story, and you ask about that point. And I, I really like it when that happens, when because th- there's a lot of media out there where you're listening to a conversation and they leave so much on the table, mm-hmm. and you're going, "Oh, why didn't you just ask about that? I really want to know more about it." So, so yeah, I re- really enjoy it when, when you when you capture you latch onto those moments and ask them about it. It's it's, it's important. So, yeah, you know. I think you know I think that's probably a technique that comes from the type of work that I do in my day job, uh, like motivational interviewing and all these different things that we that I've learned through my job as a social worker. And it's very much about a lot of my job is listening to people's stories and trying to find the key points that we can then develop on that might lead on to a solution to a problem or might lead on to a bit of realisation. So it's very much what I like to do with my interviews is try and find something that might not be the key topic, but let's dive into that and let's learn from it and let's see what we can unpick. So, yeah, I think it's something that just kind of happens, but, you know, a lot of people say that, that they that they like that the questions get asked, and I suppose that probably comes from my work. Yeah, it's definitely transferable then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, massively. So, I mean, you, you live in Scotland and that is... So already, you know, you've won the lottery. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by just such a beautiful landscape. Whereabouts in Scotland are you again? I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard it somewhere, but I can't remember. Yeah, so I'm based in Dundee, which mm. is north of Glasgow and Edinburgh, south of Aberdeen. So I'm quite lucky that most mountain ranges in Scotland are within two hours drive of me. I've got the Cairngorms maybe 45, 50 minutes away to the entry to the Cairngorms. And then if I go sort of two, two and a half hours, I'm into the Loch Lomond and Trossets, and then I'm in the, the Highlands and Glencoe and that sort of area. So I'm really, really lucky. And uh, since starting to develop an outdoor lifestyle, I, I mean, I feel lucky now. Before, I didn't even know they existed. But, you know, now I'm like, how, how did I not know these things existed? <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I, so I, I can relate with you massively there, just... um discovering scotland like the, the day that happened was was mad <laughs> I, I, you know driving through the that um that famous road from, coming up from glasgow and you finally getting into the highlands towards yeah. ben nevis i just i thought you had to go to europe to find roads like that yeah. and, and and there you are but actually that's a brilliant segue that you mentioned that was one of the things i wanted to ask you was what did adventure look like to you as a kid uh, when, when growing up in scotland were you always out doing this thing? I mean, I, I did read somewhere that you, you took a trip to Iceland once. I didn't know if, it, if that was the start of it all. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was always a kid that spent all my time outdoors, but it was always centred around playing football. That, you know, football was was my main thing. And that was, you know, since the years of like 
four. I played in teams, so every weekend was was football. I mean, it, it went well. You know, I, I got a cap for, for Scotland national boys club team uh, at 15. So it was going really, really well. But in terms of getting outdoors and exploring what Scotland and the world's got to offer, it was... It was probably that Iceland trip in, in secondary school that really opened my eyes to what is actually out there. I mean, I'd never hill walked or really camped that much before that trip. And uh, I just loved it. It was just something new. It was, I'd seen things that I'd never seen before. I'd smelt things that I'd never smelt before. I just felt like all my senses were connected when I was out there. Uh, but I came back and, and I never really walked a hill again until sort of 2019, which is mad, really. But I just didn't know how to access it. Nobody that I really hung around with or family or that did that sort of thing. So it was just, I really enjoyed that, but back to football. Uh, and then that sort of all changed in 2019 when I decided to go and do my first team on Rose in Scotland. Absolutely. I mean, what, winding it back to the Iceland trip, like what specifically was it with the school? I mean, what, where are you going out there? I, I, I imagine... Uh, I imagine if I was to make a guess, the school was starting to do a geography, learning about geothermal power. And yeah. while you were there, you you, uh, you did something. But like you, you tell us, like what, what was that? Yeah. Trip? So it was through a company called World Challenge. So essentially mm. what that was is they set a challenge to a group of secondary school pupils to fundraise, plan, complete and sort of reflect on a trip across the world. So we had to be involved in everything from the fundraising efforts to the planning of the flights, of the transport, of the accommodation, of the routes that we were going to go, of the guides that we were going to speak to. So it was really about learning life lessons. It was transferable skills for the rest of our lives, really. But we got to go to Iceland, and each day of the trip, a different pair of pupils or people got to be the lead for that day. So we very much arrived at the airport and then it was over to you guys, as in us. Oh, wow. Teachers stepped back, World Challenge leaders stepped back, and it was up to us to navigate our way through Iceland to get to the destination. So it was centred around that. So we camped, we actually, I can't remember the name of it, but remember the volcano that created the ash cloud? Yes. That like stopped world travel for a bit or European travel. We actually hiked up that. So that was one of the bits of this trip that we hiked up that. We got so far and we we couldn't go any further because the glacier had melted. So we just took a trip down the glacier. We just slid down the glacier and caves. It was just an incredible experience. That's mad. That's so good. Yeah, it was honestly, it was mind-blowing. And now 10 years on, it actually was, looking back, I think, wow, that was that that could have and should have been life changing. Mm, absolutely, yeah, and that that really is life skills. Well, that's basically project management. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, screw, screw getting a Prince Two qualification. Like, just just go and do that, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more people should be able to do that stuff because I I probably reflect more on the things I learned there and some of the other stuff I did at school. Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward to now, uh, you you know you, you're much more involved with the outdoors, and you've just recently done a, what's called the fan dance. Yeah. So first question for those who don't know, what is the fan dance? So the fan dance is part of the special forces selection process. So it is, if I remember correctly, twenty four kilometers, which is fifteen miles, and it is two ascents of penny fan. Uh, which is obviously down in Wales. I can't remember the exact height of it, but pretty 800, high. It's 886 metres, but 
the 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 three digits shouldn't throw you off because as you you'll now know uh, as well it's it's pretty formidable the uk landscape yeah yeah totally so you know it's no easy feat and i think i certainly know that now 100 percent. so <laughs> the whole story behind the fan dance was one of my close friends was actually part of SAS selection and discovered that he had testicular cancer in a medical so he was then discharged on the grounds that you know he had to get this treated so he really wanted to prove to himself that he could complete the fan dance fully weighted and he just dragged me along. He said, can you come and do it with me? I said, let's do it, mate. Let's do it. I said, but I'm not doing it weighted. I'm not crazy enough for that. So I took part in the trail running event. So pretty much the trail race. Uh, yeah, and on and off we went. You know, training probably wasn't what it should have been, but we went and done it. And it was such an incredible experience. Billy Billingham, Special Forces, ex-Special Forces was there. You know, he's known from the SAS programme, who dares wins, and, and a whole host of other SAS ex-force forces uh, forcemen or whatever you want to call them were there so just getting the vibe of being around these types of people was so inspiring yeah uh, and yeah it was an amazing event amazing event uh really tough uh probably some people might know that i was uh doing doing better than i ever expected i was in fifth place of the race and got back to the top of penny fan after doing jacob's ladder which is formidable like i've never felt cramp like it in my life I don't know how I got up there uh, but I did get to the top visibility was poor and I went the wrong way so I then descent maybe 150 metres realised I'd went the wrong way and had to get to the top of Penny Fan for a third time and then I got down so that's probably my my caveat to it is that I did the fan dance but I summited three times yeah, yeah the, the first man to summit <laughs> summit three times the fan dance yeah <laughs> So, yeah, no, it was a great experience, great experience. And I really love that type of event because it gives me something to train towards and it gives me the competitive side that I love so much about football that I don't play anymore. But these type of events allow me to get that inner com- the competitive side of myself out at these events. So it's good. I love that. Yeah, something I've, um, I've been wanting to do kind of, during lockdown and now that um at least at least in the uk we've come out of it um you know i'm looking at these events and there's so many people that say like don't train and then book the event yeah book the event and then train because it will make you <laughs> make you do it yeah 100 and one thing i've actually learned from every single event that i've entered i've done quite a few of them now that you never ever think you've trained enough no matter how much you do you never think you've done enough but actually when you get there and you get involved in it, I mean, I've superseded my expectations in probably every single event that I've entered, but every single one I turned up on the start line thinking, I ain't trained enough for this. So that tells me a bit about the importance of your mind. You know, you, you, you've got to control that mindset and you, you can achieve anything if you can control your mindset. That, you know, that's just really what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of breeze, breeze. Yeah, like you've given the stats and obviously like that, that's quite a formidable run. But but really, I, I wanted to find out like how how grueling was it? And and as a follow up question as well, like, do were you able to keep up? What was your weighted mate like sort of level with the fitness of you without with weight on? Yeah, it's, it's dead interesting. I would say that my pal Kieran, he's fitter than me. He, he is physically fitter than me. And I think he's got a strong mindset as well. You know, we shouldn't forget that Kieran is is, is mentally very, very in, in control of what his body can do and what he could actually do more than what he can do. But yeah, 
I think sometimes I kind of brush over how hard it was because probably I don't want to go there again in my mind. Is that hard? <laughs> it's a bit of a survival mechanism. But I mean, I think one of the key things is I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd never been to Penny Fan. I'd never been over it. So I, it was just I was just taking it as it came. And I think the initial first summit and then down to the turn point. I was feeling good, like a lot better than I thought I was going to feel. And I got stupidly confident that ah, Jacob's ladder wasn't that bad coming down. I mean, it can't be that bad going up. So I, I had this uh, moment in my mind where I was thinking, I am breezing this. Like, this is, I, I've done so well here. And then I got to the bottom of Jacob's ladder. And I mean, the visit, you couldn't see that far in front of you. So it was just straight into the clouds. That's what it looked like. And I don't know whether that helped or it hindered, but I certainly feel it helped because I couldn't see how far it was to go. But, I mean, I don't know if you could even imagine it. Every single muscle in my legs cramped, every single one. And it was a moment of, if I stop, I don't start again. So I just had to tip my body forward and move. Uh, and I can't describe the space that I went to in my brain to keep moving, but it was probably, if I stop, I don't move again. I have to get picked up from then. And I don't want the special forces guys coming to pick me and save me off the mountain. That's going to be pretty embarrassing. Uh, so, yeah, somehow I managed to get through it. But, I mean, the drive back home to Scotland the next day was challenging. Challenging. That, yeah. is, that is not an understatement. Have you got a manual car as well? No, I don't. And it was oh. still challenging. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say... Like... Like I've had, I've had pre um, in the past when I when I was quite sort of like powerlifting, sort of gym gym going. I've had times after leg days having to drive home and do the clutch, <laughs> just yeah. like like leg is like shaking, yeah. <laughs> like trying to do it. Yeah. So I can't yeah. imagine what it would have been like after fan dance. So yeah, yeah, it, it, you know what? I would recommend it to anybody because I think even though it was extremely difficult on the body, I would say I, I feel like it was positive for the mind, which is which is mad. And I think that's something that I think people could learn from is that even when your body hurts, your mind can still go further. Mm. And actually achieving that, it makes you learn so much about yourself. Uh, and I think I learned lessons during that experience that I now bring into my everyday life. And a lot of that is about even when I think I can't move, I can. Because at that moment, I didn't think I could move. But I did, and I still managed to get to the bottom and the top again. And you know, like when when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it was crazy, but such an enjoyable experience and something I'd recommend to everybody. You know, put yourself in for these events. Before that, the, the furthest I'd run in an event was 10k. I was going to ask that. Is this something that you've done before? No, before before wow. that event, I'd only run 10k in a trail race, and that was 24. Uh, and now I don't think I'd run anything less than 15 I loved it that much because it, it was a different experience it was almost tactical I had to use my brain well I can run fast here take my breather here it was it was a very enjoyable experience very difficult but enjoyable but the, the message from that is just enter yourself as you say enter yourself into an event and, and turn up if you turn up you will succeed no matter if you don't finish because you turned up and there's yeah. a lesson in there exactly yeah and, and there's always those analogies where where you know your, your mind is like a like a balloon and once you once you've blown it up um you know it never goes back to the same size it was before so yeah yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you got any on the books at all that you're looking at entering in? I don't actually, uh, but I was looking the other day and, and actually you might think this is crazy. The one that I'm looking at is going back to the fan dance in January and doing it in the winter. That, oh. that, that That's what I'm looking at at the moment is going back but in the, in the winter, I think it's 15th of January or something like that. I, I much prefer winter stuff. Like uh, if, if I'm hiking the summer, like I, I, super enjoyable. I don't get me wrong. Like you're still up a mountain in the summer, but I, I, I don't know. There's something about the challenge of like kind of uh, enthusiastic weather. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, that, I think it, that changes I totally, things. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, I'm, I'm a lover of the winter for, for the mountain days in the winter. And I think it's, I think everything's beautiful when it's got the snow covering on it. I think it's just, you know, a sunrise in the winter when you get the, the reflection of the sun on the snow, I don't think you can beat it in terms of an experience on the hills. But I think, as you say, there is that added risk element that I think, again, it touches back into as we put ourselves in these situations of being uncomfortable, we learn so much about ourselves that we come back down off the mountain and we feel like we've made progress. And I think every time I go on the hills in the winter, there's an element of risk, there's an element of uncomfortableness. And when you achieve that goal, you feel great after it. And I also think that it is, a, it is definitely about that, you know, a quote that Kieran actually said when we debriefed from the, the fan dance was getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And mm. I think the winter days make you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they keep you on your toes and they, they, they remind you why I think you need to respect the mountains as well. Cause yeah. in the summer, it's all too easy to forget when you're going up in trainers like in shorts yeah. and not having a right laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, I, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, um, so between Iceland, um, you know, after Iceland, you kind of just thought, wow, that was amazing. And then went back to football until you did your first two mountains. Um, which ones were they? Uh, they were Mear and Drish. So yes. they, are, they are up in uh, Glen Clover. Uh, and they're they're only 50 minutes from my house. So they are, I've done them so many times now because they're the closest to me. But yeah, that, that was another thing that just sort of came out of no place. It was actually a school friend of mine who had arranged to go and do some hills with his barber. And uh, I'd said, you know, can I come along? Let, you know, let's do it. I, it was winter. It was, well, it wasn't winter really. It was March, but there was still a lot of snow uh, as there typically is in Scotland on the hills in that time of year. And we, and, you know, we went up and it was probably one of the first experiences where I, I, I felt uncomfortable. You know, I felt this is outside my comfort zone, but I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, and, you know, it's not the most difficult two windows, probably the two that I recommend for most beginners in my area. Uh, but that don't matter. Just getting out there and, and being on the hills and, and overcoming the sort of thought processes that go through your mind was something that I just latched onto and loved. I think also a big thing for me was the connections that I made on the hills that day. So Greg, for example, I'd never met before, before that day. And he's now one of my closest friends. I speak to him every week, uh, you know, and, and that was a connection formed on the mountains when it was just us and the hills. There was no distractions. It was just two people connecting over so many different hours in the day, and I just believe that connections that are made outdoors are just so pure because the distractions aren't there. Yeah, absolutely. And is that why you chose those two mountains to be your first Wellbeing Wonders um, sort of group walk together then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they are special to me because I believe they are the mountains that opened my eyes to a more positive well-being and a, and a tool to get there. 
Uh, and yeah, absolutely. I, I knew that I know the mountains like the back of my hands, they too. Uh, so I thought, you know, we're going to be safe here. And I know that that was paramount. But yeah, I, and I just got a group of people together. It was something that a few people had asked me if I was going to do, are you going to do a group hike? And, and I thought, absolutely, let's get as many people out as possible. And I think for me, Wellbeing Wonders is about allowing people to connect with the outdoors to improve their well-being. That doesn't have to be the hardest mountain. You don't need to be climbing Everest to do that. So what I want to show people is that let's just, just get out there. Let's just get out there and see how you feel. Let's go to two relatively simple Munros. In the context of mountains and Munros, you know, that I wouldn't expect somebody who's a complete beginner to just go and do it. It's not that way. But what that taught people is they can do it. That was the main thing. I believed that everybody in that group that day would complete the two Munros, which they did. Some people had doubts at points, people wanted to turn back. But we, we were then able to have the conversations about what we're achieving at this time. Do we need to go back? Is it safe to go back? It's probably safer to go up with the group. You know, there was loads of beautiful conversations that happened on the hills that day. And again, it's the connections. People yeah. I'd never met before connecting and everybody was in it together. And that's just what I love. I feel like it strips back so many guards and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and even, you know, potentially conflicting perspectives. Like, you know, when, you, when you're bumping into random people, I mean, we, when, I, when I did um, uh, Maya Driesch, we bumped into someone just walking their dog and just got into a nice conversation. Dog was amazing. Um, and then she just started talking about the, um, the Walk walk Highlands Forum. I was going, oh, you're on the Walk Highlands Forum. I'll probably chat about this today. Uh, she's like sharing his name. Yes, it's, it's just, it strips back so much of of what potentially could have be, could be an obstacle if you were to meet in a cafe or, or a library on the street. It's just yeah. different, isn't it? It is. It's totally different. And, you know, I'm a really massive advocate for, you know, improving mental health and, and, you know, well-being. And I think community and communication are two key values in that. And that's exactly what you get on the hills. And if we can get more of that back into our society, we will make progress. And that's really my message. And the reason why I encourage people to, to come out on the hike or to just get outside is... I think once you start realising that, once you start seeing that it's okay to just speak to the person that walks past you and you'll probably get on with them. Yeah. People start taking that back into their everyday life. They build a confidence about speaking to other people because for the last three and a half hours, they've not walked past anyone without saying hi. So when they walk past the next person in the street, they might say hi. And that's all it takes, a smile. Oh, man, it's so important. It's so, so important. And I just think there's so many lessons that we can learn from the outdoor community that we can bring back into everyday life uh, and, and make a positive impact. I mean, would it be safe to say uh, what, what is sort of normal adventure for you these days is, is walking about in the Highlands or, or are there, is there some sort of other adventure and activity you like doing that uh, aside from sort of bagging Munros? Yeah, I think it's a difficult one. It's probably a, a, a topic that, that I'm still trying to figure out at the minute because when I initially got into it, my competitive nature took over and it was, I'm going to do every Munro as quick as possible, like a lot of people in Scotland end up thinking. But what I began to realise that actually it wasn't necessarily the hill walking that was having such a positive impact on me. It was getting outdoors and connecting with people. So when I began to realise that, I became less focused on bagging Munros and more focused on getting outside and meeting people. And then the, the focus kind of shift. I mean, to the right of me right now, I've got a Monroe map that I scratch off every time I come back. So that's still there. But 
just getting outdoors and meeting people and you know my partner bought me a a pack raft so I've been doing a little bit of you know kayaking so these are different ways like my partner likes coming on the hills but she much prefers the kayaking so we do that together we don't feel the need to right we're going Monroe walking this weekend let's just go out and let's go to Loch Lomond and, and go on the lock it's I mean and I think I'm probably in a little position at the minute where I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to put my focus but actually the more I think about it the lack of focus is actually positive because it's just get outside and that's what I keep advocating get outside and you know go for a 10 minute walk go down to the river whatever it might be because that's where the benefits happen you do not have to walk hills to get these benefits just get outside and it starts to happen just having a paradigm shift from from thinking every Monroe as soon as possible yeah. to just enjoying the process, basically. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I still plan to complete the Monroes at some point, and it's still always something that I think about, but it's less of that's less of my focus now. My focus is now about connecting with people in the outdoors and, and allowing people the opportunity to connect with the outdoors. Some people might not feel able, knowledgeable, kind of probably what I felt like at a, a period of time. When I came back from Iceland, probably wanted to do it, didn't know how to. So I feel like I should I have a role to play in getting people outdoors, you know, at a very entry level. And then we could start building. Uh, and I've got a really good example of that. I had uh, one of my aunties, you know, she won't mind me saying, you know, struggled with her mental health, uh, difficult relationships, uh, and really, you know, just struggled in general. But she got in touch with me and asked, you know, I love what you're doing. Can you take me out? And I said, let's do it. Uh, and I wouldn't always take somebody to a Monroe for the first time, but this might be slightly contradictory to what I've been saying. But I knew that achieving that was something she never believed she can do. So we set about doing that. I picked her up super early, so we had a massive light window, and we he- headed off to Shahalian. And, I mean, 10 minutes in, she was, that's it, she couldn't go any longer. Uh, you know, go on without me, I'll get you back at the car. Uh, and it, the process of working through all these inner demons of self-doubt of you know self-destruction at times you know really thinking my feet are sore my legs are sore I'm injured that's the mind playing tricks on you and you know we got to the top of that mountain together and back down and her life has changed completely she walks every day she's met a new partner they go hill walking together at the weekends she is she's probably on the hills more than me at the moment and it's just think that example of the impact that one hill walk had on her life and it's just revolutionized it and she 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 puts it down to that she puts it down to me and I say it's not me it's the hills you know it was the outdoors that did that for you You did that for you because you stuck with it and you got to the top of that mountain and you proved to yourself you can do something you didn't think you could and she's just running with that in life now proving herself wrong all the time in a positive way yeah, you just opened the door and she she she's the one who yeah. walked through it. Yeah. 100%. And that's all I'm here to do. I'm not, I don't know everything. I mean, I'm a beginner to a certain extent. You know, people have been on this journey for a long, long time. I, I, you know, a few years for me. But if I can open the door, as you say, I feel like my job's done. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it depends as well. Like, you know, you know, if you are someone who only wants to do a mountain every now and then, then you are of a very high standard. But if you're someone who's aiming, I don't know, for Everest, then, then you and me shouldn't be the ones to take them out. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and thinking about that as well and linking it to mental health and, and that sense of achievement, that's that's why I like 
mountains so much better than just trail walking because trail walking can be beautiful you know walking the forest local to me when, when when a set deer runs across the path it's just stunning yeah but there's something about a mountain where if you reach the top and you go back to the car park or a little bit later on if you get humbled enough and you have to turn around early mm. um there's something about that situation which makes it feel so much more accomplished because the comparison for me, I suppose, would, would be that on a trail walk, I finish and I think, oh, I could have gone longer. I don't really feel worked. Maybe I could have gone faster. You know what? Maybe I should slow down and enjoyed it more. Whereas when there's a focus of just a, a, a highest point and yeah. then coming back down again, you just feel like you've achieved so much more. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's, that's why the draw to the mountains is always going to be there because it's the thing that satisfies my need for achievement, my need for you know, competition with myself. I think competition is very, 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 very useful when you compete with yourself. But that that's what satisfies that need, as you say. And I think, you know, to, to refer it back to some of the things I think about with well-being is someone once says to me that you took me to the top of the mountain and then all of my problems were below me. And I just thought, wow, that is what that meant to you that day. Because you've got to that highest point, mm. there was nothing else above because you'd achieved that goal of getting to that highest point. And that stuff blows my mind. That blows my mind. And that's then the physical achievement has got her to that, that, that highest point. And then the emotional achievement of completing that, when she probably experienced self-doubt along the way, then that's where the real work starts happening when we get back to the car. You know, and, and I totally agree with you. That is the draw to the mountains, because every time you stand at the bottom and think, I might have pushed it a bit farther, Dad. I don't know if I'm going to get up there. But you do. And then you feel great about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we could probably do metaphors for days about how, oh, yeah. how it applies there. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, if, you, if you've done it, you know exactly what it's like. And, yeah. and if you haven't, then I'm, I'm, I'm sure after hear, hearing you talk about that, then anyone listening is going to be massively excited to get out and go try, go try one. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's it, isn't it? It is, it is about go and do you know doing is the thing when it comes to the health getting out there and doing it is exactly what people need to be doing so no i totally agree with you totally agree so i mean we've we've kind of come from uh you know we've come from chatting about childhood uh football and and iceland come through the fan dance and out the other side into scottish highlands and it kind of leaves me just two two more questions left to ask and the first one is what i ask of everyone that comes on the show which is that in in all of your adventure sort of career if you like so far, what is one moment that you'd love to relive? Oh, that is that is the question, isn't it? That is and interpret well, it how you like. Yeah, I think I think one moment that I'd love to relive was was probably the moment that I completed Curved Ridge on Book Out of Moor. Grade three scramble. For anybody that doesn't know, that's you know, you're, you're using all fours as quite a considerable bit of exposure behind you. And that was probably the day that I learned most about myself because I didn't know that's what I was going to do that day. I thought we were just going to walk another mountain. And then an hour and a half later, I'm standing, hanging off a mountain with my hands grabbing on, nothing behind me. And I went through so many periods in that day that made me question if I can do it. Am I going to fall and seriously hurt myself? And also that feeling of, well, I can't go back now. I have to go forward. 
And I feel like, you know, I talk about the very first mountains that I did being an important milestone in my life. And I feel overcoming the fear I experienced that day left me feeling like I can do anything that I put my mind to. And I've really tried to put that into my everyday life. So I probably think the feeling that I felt when I knew that if I fell over, I was just going to land was a feeling that I can't quite describe, but it was an amazing feeling. And I think it was more about the lessons that day that, that really, that really resonate with me. And I suppose that's, it's the little experiences that allow me to try and advocate and, you know, share my knowledge of what I felt with other people in the hope of inspiring them. You know, I love what I'm doing, but I'm doing this because I want to try and get more people out there. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And what a beautiful segue to the last question, which is uh, if we're listening and we want to hear more, uh, hear more of you, follow your adventures and hear more of what you do on your podcast, where can we follow you? Yeah, I'm solely on Instagram, really, at the moment for Wellbeing Wonders. Uh, so just search Wellbeing Wonders and you will probably find me. Uh, I post some of my adventures on there uh, and all the podcast information goes on there, which is some incredible people who have a lot more achievements and a lot more experience in the hills than I do, which I think is quite nice because I I, I get I feed off of that energy and, I can, and if I'm feeding off it, I know that the listeners will too. Uh, so yeah Instagram is the main place I do have a Twitter but that's sort of part well-being wonders and part sort of personal work stuff but yeah that's the main place Spotify Apple all the major podcasting platforms I am on there and yeah you know if people want to listen great but it's not that show's not about me that show is about the guests and, and it's them that you're going to learn the most from so yeah check it out as I say we've had some incredible people on that uh, far supersede my knowledge but I'm just there to facilitate and, and you'll know exactly how that feels yeah exactly yeah precisely well Lee thank you so much for coming on the podcast that was an absolute pleasure thank you no thanks very much Chris for the, for the opportunity man. Uh, uh, I've been, I'll be urging all of my listeners to, to pop over to your podcast and, and jump on because you've had some incredible conversations